Hello and a very warm welcome to our podcast Taking Chances with me Anupama Bhalla and my co-host Sohila Joshi. In this series catch us in conversation with those who have dared to follow their dreams and succeeded. It is famously said you don't need a silver spoon to eat well. In the case of our guest today you don't need a spoon at all you just need your fingers. featured on the 30 under 30 list of forbes both in india and asia she is a chef a writer an influencer and a podcaster too let's meet the macaroon queen of india and the founder of the le 15 chain of patisseries and cafes pooja dhingra who has most certainly proved that the best thing in life is a little bit of sugar Hey Pooja, thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's great having you here with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Pooja, you know, Soila and I have consumed a lot of what you make, and we are very, very curious to ask you this one question. So you're famous for your macaroons, and you know you're a household name as well. So why, of all the desserts and of all the sweet munchies in the world, did you pick a macaron? Is there a story behind this choice? So I studied pastry in Paris, and uh, you know I, you know, I'm obsessed with chocolate. I think it's my first love. And when I was in Paris, I actually saw a whole different side of pastry than what I was used to. So growing up in Mumbai, you know, you're used to seeing your bread. Like you know, my mom used to make brownies for us and cakes and tea cakes and all of those things. And I was just used to the American style of baking. And then I go to France, and this is a whole new world. I didn't know what half the things were. I, you know, walked into a pastry shop and almost felt like a pastry chef was an artist. And someone recommended that I try a macaron, and they were shocked that I didn't know what it was. I was a student of pastry in France, and I didn't know what a macaron is. So I tried my first one, and uh, as cliched as it sounds, it definitely was, you know, love because it was passion fruit. Firstly, it was a flavor that was so unique, and it was something that I wasn't used to having before. So it was passion fruit and milk chocolate. and i think just the combination of that sweet acid you know the tartness everything you know it was like crunchy and soft and just melted in your mouth i think for me that was like wow this is great and why haven't i had it before so i kind of became this obsession started there and then led to me coming back to india and trying to make it and yeah that's where it started so did you have to teach people in india about macarons i mean what it is what's a macaron did you have to tell them hey get them even to pronounce it correctly because i don't know whether it's macaron or is it macarons yeah in french it's macaron and you know the english version of it is macaron so i mean you know even the old school when you say macaron normally you think of the old school coconut sort of bite so saying macaron just kind of demarcates it and you know what it is people have like big fights over this pronunciation but i i'm okay with either but yeah i mean you know to your point of did i have to educate people most definitely because it was something that was so new to me as well right and as someone who had lived in switzerland before for four years i still didn't know what it was so the the early years of low 15 was just about you know being present at, at that point exhibitions were big and you know you would be on the table at an exhibition and i would take the opportunity and be everywhere and just stand there and give out free samples and to ask people like would you like to try this and and get feedback and be like what do you think of this do you think this would sell and slowly slowly you know i saw that 
once people knew what it was, I obviously got their, you know, apprehensions as well to be like, how is this different from a cream biscuit? Or, you know, it had to be like, hey, it's almond flour. It's very different from a cream biscuit. And then when they would taste it, they would understand the difference and just the flavor, the nuances and the flavors were, were much different. So it took a while. And now I'm hoping that, you know, now I see it being mainstream and a lot of people making it. And you know, I've been teaching this for over a decade. So it's, it's good to see that change. Pooja, uh, so you came back from Paris and went on straight to start your own enterprise and became an entrepreneur. Did you not, uh, you know, toy with the idea of, let's say, first maybe working with some chef, learning the ropes of business before starting out on your own? You know, when I think back now, maybe I would have done it differently. <laughs> I don't know. I was just young and naive. And honestly, the food and business, just the F&B, food and beverage, uh, you know, landscape, in India was so different 12 years ago when I came back. But there weren't too many places where I could go and work and learn. If I probably came back today, there are like 10 bakeries that you know I can count today and say, I'd love to go and intern there and work with them and learn from them. But when I came back, you didn't have any standalone bakeries, right? You only had one, you know, Theo Broma, which was in its second or third year. And I met Ken as, you know, the owner and we became really good friends. But other than that, there was not a place where I could go and do what I wanted to. So it wasn't because I didn't want to, because the landscape then didn't allow me to. So there was no, and you know, when you're young and naive, your lack of inexperience makes you think that you can do anything. So I just started and I've, you know, I always knew I would do my own thing. It just is the way it panned out. And, you know, today, if you ask me the same question, I'd probably answer differently but back then this was like let's do this and be my own business and yeah right anyway the results are there to be seen so <laughs> yeah it's been a roller coaster ride let's just say that yeah i think you also had this advantage of being the first who came and you know introduced this kind of dessert and a look tasty for sure but the look really wowed us and that's really something that got people's attention and you're right you know we've not seen this dessert or these kind of products that you make in any of uh, stores, honestly, basically, I mean, you would see it in the Taj and all, but you came with this one product, which was just so you. And do you think that was one of the big advantages you had, that you had this one product, which nobody in India knew about, and you had the courage to get it? I mean, did it involve some research to know that Indians would like it? Because we have so many sweets and so many desserts. Yeah. So what kind yeah. of challenges you had to overcome to do what sure. you've done? You know, I think to go back to the first part of your question, I do believe that at that given point of time, rightly so, if I wanted to have a macaroon, it was only available at the Four Seasons or the Taj and nowhere else. So I knew for sure that there was a gap in the market, like everyone was making the same kind of dessert. And it was also a time where you would go to any cafe and everyone, it felt like everyone had the same pastry chef because you got the same five desserts everywhere. So you would get your blueberry cheesecake and your molten chocolate cake. And it was very, very that. Uh, in fitting in that format and for me it was just about I had decided that I want to firstly do something that nobody else is doing so back then the idea was my menu should look like you know nothing that anybody else is doing so if if somebody else is making really good brownies I'm not even going to attempt to do it why should I they're doing really good ones but what can I do which is unique to me which I would probably be making few of but making the best of. so that was the thought and also the thought was to keep the menu as limited as possible because one thing I realized is that we love options. You know, as Indians, we love pages and pages of menus. 
and everywhere I would go, I would see like a list of hundred things, and I'm like, it's not humanly possible for anyone to do hundred of these things and do them well. So the idea was, how do we cut that down? How do we make that into five or ten and really specialize in that? And even back then, you know, not a lot of people were specializing in specific things. You see those in, you know, you have those Chinese and Indian and, you know, one person doing everything. So I was like, how can I break this down and just focus on, say, French desserts, specializing in macaroons, and then maybe have a few other things that we do along with it, which, you know, goes well with it. Keep it tight, but know that we do it really well. So that was the main intention. The challenges, I mean, yeah, obviously, you know, explaining to people, like trying to make people understand what a macaroon is. But I think that that the minute they experience the product, because for me, it was about, like you rightly said, not only the way it tastes, but also the whole experience from when you buy the box and when you hold the box. It was very important to me that even looking at the box, the color of it made you feel happy. I remember when I'd come back, everywhere you went, you only got those brown cake boxes. And I was like, why is everything just brown? You know, why is there no color? Even like fighting with my graphic designer and telling him I want a pink box. And he's like, pink is not used for food. And I had to fight, you know, at 23 and be like, no, but I want it. And I want a black logo and, you know, all those things. So I was very clear on the experience I wanted the customer to feel. And I think once they felt it, it just became a lot easier. Actually, I have a follow-up on this. There is an Indian sensibility and then I feel that when I see your products, I see a Europe sensibility that you have. So is there been ever a marriage between both of these for you? There, there definitely is a marriage, right? Like I feel that that's just a lot of love we've been in the initial years. Even today is just an extension of me as a person and who I am. And I try to translate my work as a translation of that. I left India when I was 18. I lived in Europe for five years and then I moved back. So my, my own personal experiences have kind of shaped the brand a lot. So they do, I'd like to believe it's a nice marriage because you'll see this pink box and you'll see this gold on it, which, you know, just blends the simplicity that, that it comes together. So it definitely is in terms of, you know, flavors and things like that. I love to play with those a lot. So I would, when I, especially when I moved back, because when I was in France, I saw a lot of Japanese chefs doing this, you know, like they would take matcha and make it into like a matcha meal for you. And I would go into the Japanese bakery and be like, wow, how have they blended their culture so well? So when I came back, there was a lot of like, oh, let me make something with masala chai. And I still remember the first chai macaroon I made. And I tasted it and I was like, this is, you know, like the caramelized hazelnuts. And it was just like the whole chai experience to another level. So I still do that a lot and that's what, you know, I, it keeps me excited and keeps me going. You know, Pooja, I can actually hear the love and passion in your voice. It's coming right through, you know, with the color of the box, the flavors and everything else that you've said. So as a chef, or rather a pastry chef, what is your food philosophy? What is it that you're trying to say when you create a macaroon and serve it to people with all its colors and all its flavors? What is the message behind it? You know, for many, many years, we tried to sort of think about that. Like we said, it's it's this passion that just comes from wanting to spread joy and happiness. And for many years, I couldn't put that in words. And I would just be like, you know, it's just about making people feel better, about taking them to a better place. Like if they're having a really bad day and they see this box, that should be that happiness. Or when they bite into a product, it just makes things better. So I think over the years that's evolved and right now, you know, I sort of, I the company, I see our vision as just bringing joy to people's lives. So that is the main sort of, you know, overarching vision that we have. And then for the products, 
it's it's really just simplicity through flavors and textures not very complex you know something that's come especially given in the last year and how it's been things that i crave are just warmth and comfort and something that you just want to eat so a lot of the products now i'm working towards they're just like you know taking the layers off and saying i just want a really good chocolate cake i want that warmth from it i want to sit in my bed and i want to eat it and that's what i'm making um, you know i'm hoping that if it's making me feel all these things right now i'm hoping when people consume it they feel the same well uh, we should have said this right in the beginning pooja but we'll say it now congratulations your macaroons are most certainly a household <laughs> name so i think this journey and where you are today and you know i think that hardly be anybody who's probably not tasted what you make what has been the most rewarding part of this journey for you right from the start to where you are there's a lot i think for me the in the earlier years there was it was a struggle because ingredients were not easy to find you know working on the recipe was challenging when you finally get a product which you're really proud of and i i remember the initial years even today like i know a lot of people who would eat it and they would say this takes me right to paris and i had families who would be like oh we've gone to paris and we've eaten the macarons there and the kids told them no but the ones at low 15 in bombay are better and just you know the fact that you set out to do something and you manage to achieve it and you just become a part of people's lives i think for me that is one thing that i'm really proud of and the second thing is when i went to culinary school i was probably the only indian student at le cordon bleu in paris and you know being a chef or being a pastry chef a decade ago wasn't you know cool as it is today and not a lot of people were doing it but the fact that i see young girls get my journey and say that we can do this too and we'd like to take this up professionally and go to culinary school and come back and do things that really makes me happy that really makes me feel like i made some impact and then in just you know the industry on a lighter note all indian moms want their daughters to be great cooks and taken it to a wholly different level i don't think your mom can complain at all irony, the irony of this is that i don't cook <laughs> So now that I've started living alone, the first thing I was like calling my mom, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And you know, I'll make great cake here and I'll do pancakes, but I have to get into cooking for myself. But why is that? So cooking and baking are very different, right? They're very different philosophies in general and very different personality traits that like either one. So people who tend to like baking more because it's so precise, you can't go off script. It's very like 100 grams of butter is 100 grams of butter. Well, as cooking is more free and it's more like you know andaz and you just do what you want to do and mm-hmm. it's a different sort of approach to food so they're both very different and i've just been in this kind of baking box for so long that i'm going to enjoy you know the few days that i've done it just trying to get out of it and just be more free and experimental and you know play with it one has to follow the recipe is it it's so scientific right like it's it's, it's science i mean you can't you know 100 grams of butter plus you know something turns into something else you can't just i you you can also like you know have an explosion in the oven so it's it's a little bit uh, tricky so i would say that you know follow recipes till you can eyeball and make a few flavor changes a few things you adjust things here and there but every ingredient has so much purpose right it's there because of a reason like sugar is not only in a recipe for sweetness right i get a lot of people tell me but put less sugar or remove sugar but sugar adds moistness to you know recipe which is why things that don't have as much sugar are so dry so it's very purposeful so sounds like extremely you have to be very disciplined when you're making a dessert and any pastry and stuff you know it's it's so funny because when i share so i have a few pastry chef friends 
and I round off things. So if I using 125, four or five of grams or something, I'll make sure it's either, you know, if it's 124, I'll make it 125, like one gram here and there. But I have friends who will send me recipes and it'll be like 369 grams of something and 408 grams of something. And I'm like, guys, just like round it off. But it's super precise, yeah, regimented. Moving on. You know, what you've achieved is tremendous. So were you inspired by anyone to get into this profession? I mean, where did your inspiration come from? Mm, I think so growing up, the inspiration was my mom and my aunt. I started baking at six with my aunt and um, I was doing it every weekend. And, you know, my mom used to have a small chocolate business from home where she was making chocolate and chocolate mousse and cheesecakes. And I grew up with that, you know, packing these chocolates for Diwali and, and all of that. So I was always a little helper involved in all of this. But I didn't think that it would be my profession. Uh, so the passion was always there and it, it took its while. You know, I took some time to kind of figure that this would be what I wanted to end up doing. Inspiration was them. And then eventually when I went to Paris, you know, I worked under a different chef. I worked with a really famous chocolatier in Paris and I saw him. He was the first sort of entrepreneur chef that I worked under. And I saw the amount of work that actually went into run your own business. You know, he was there first thing in the morning seven days a week and I would have conversations with him and it kind of set me up for you know what life as an entrepreneur would be like but yeah the, I saw that I saw the hard work then that kind of inspired me. Then we all chefs scream is it when you see these shows you're just seeing all the chefs screaming and then you know I mean the people who are cooking I mean it's frightening. A lot in the hot kitchen in the pastry kitchen not as much we're just nicer and calmer and you know we have sugar and it's cooler <laughs> because the hot kitchen is really hot but it's also a you know kitchen culture that's been changing over the years so typical french kitchens that is the norm right like that they follow a brigade system and depending on where you are in the system there's a certain amount of uh, rage that you are expected to kind of accept which a lot of you know now chefs are, are standing up and saying this is not okay and I, I think for me as well you know when i was younger i was 23 in the kitchen i was very different but it is something that chefs are known for but Luckily, it's changing now. Great to watch it on a show, but I'm sure it must be like really scary when you're in that. It's scary. It's scary. And you know, the thing is that you hear horror stories. Like I was lucky to have a chef in Paris who was pretty kind. But my friends who work there and the stories I've heard and I keep hearing, like it's, it's not pleasant at all. And especially if you're a girl in the kitchen, it's challenging. Was there anything that you thought you wanted to do before you started cooking? I know you started young with your mom and tried a lot of stuff with other words. Yeah. Well, I wanted to do everything. So I was a super creative child and I would just sit and I would think of everything. So I remember writing this ad for my school teacher when I was six in the sixth standard. And I wrote like for Teacher's Day and I told her that, oh, I wanted to be a doctor and I wanted to be a fashion designer and I wanted to be everything. And then I finally decided that I wanted to be a teacher. There was, you know, I went through phases where this fashion was really big and I would go down, you know, in my local like the other market and buy fabric and, you know, bring it home. And my neighbor's child, I would take a measuring tape and try to like measure and like, you know, create outfits for her. I wanted to be a teacher, so I pretend to be a teacher. So I wanted to be everything growing up, at least till I was about 14, 15. And then finally, when I was 16, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And I thought that, you know, we have some lawyers in the family. I thought that would be great and good for me to do. And then I attempted it. So I went to law school for two weeks. And <laughs> two weeks, it's just, it was, but it was just, you know, when you know something isn't right for you, it just felt like that for me. 
And I was lucky enough to be able to, you know, just tell my parents that I'm not happy or this is not what I want to do. And I could shift and go and do what I really wanted to. So cooking was obviously the right choice to make puja then. And, you know, if I may put it proverbially, you've kind of stood up on your own two feet when very, very young and tasted success as well. So what has this taught you personally? Has it changed you in any way, given you some life lessons that you imbibe in your daily life? Have you become a stronger person? Yeah, I think that life philosophy that I like to live by is that everything is transient, you know, everything sort of passes. So you can, whether it's the highest highs and the lowest lows, which in the last 10 years I felt both. And you can't really, nothing is permanent. So you don't really, if you've done really well in something, you can't just hold on to that. And, you know, that can't be what you you stand for. Or if you're having a really bad day and something fails, that shouldn't define you either. So I think like my thought process is just like waking up every day and thinking, starting from scratch and thinking, what can I do today that is taking me towards my goals? And it's, I know it sounds very spiritual and very like and it's very tough to follow because when you are having an off day to kind of bring yourself back on track is is a little challenging but that's the way I just like to see life that's the way I've you know been raised and I try not to let success or what the idea of success is get too close to me and I don't like to look at failure and think of that as defining as well if that made any sense. But, that, but that's also, you know, wise and great thinking at a young age by you. So, you know, yeah, you've got to take those lessons on board and get the best out of them. Actually, It's my parents, you know, <laughs> like it's not, that, that's something that I'm grateful for, for the way they, they raised me. I don't think you know, this is something that has been grilled into us, like growing up. We, we saw our family go through, you know, different phases where work was really good and we had a lot and then work wasn't good and we didn't have too much and that kept changing. So, you kind of saw that and you kind of understood that that's life, right? You can't really think of it as it's it's very cyclical. Things keep changing and you have to tie yourself to your own personal values and not things and not achievements. So that's, you know, those are lessons that I think that come only from certain life experiences and hardships. Right. The success did come to you at a very young age. So the way you've carried that success, I'm sure, is... Uh extremely critical otherwise it can really go to people's head because like you said it's not easy um, your journey has not been easy i'm sure but people just look at your success and say that wow i'm so young and you know she made it what has made it this is my question as well like i feel like you know and which is why i started my podcast no sugar coat as well because i just felt that a lot of people look at the success from the outside and it seems like oh this is a piece of cake and it's a cakewalk and all of those things and for me, it was very important to talk about, you know, the behind the scenes and what it actually takes. Because the way life works is on the outside, it could be great. Like, you know, you are, you're on some Forbes list and you are doing amazing, you're getting an award and all of that is happening. But then in, internally, you're like, you know, at work, you work 16 hours a day, some months six, someone hasn't showed up to work. So you're not really like, you know, you don't really have time to kind of no one's just sitting and basking in that, oh, I've achieved this, but you're actually on ground firefighting and making things happen every day. So I think the world has a way of keeping you sane and just throwing a lot of like things your way. Yeah, and the only thing, the, the thing for me is when I say made it is that, you know, you were able to fulfill your potential and your talent and you actually define the category. And there are lots of young people, you know, who get inspired by you. So in that sense, to me, You've made that mark, you've made it. So obviously there is a lot of challenges that you've gone through. So uh, yeah, you've made it in my eyes for sure. 
So what is the advice you have for someone new in this industry? Because there are a lot of young girls getting into this, boys getting into this profession. Yeah. So Pooja, what advice do you have for someone new you know, to this industry? Because today a lot of young people are getting into your uh, space. So I think, you know, it's very important. I think it's it's great to be interested in this field and the food industry is very exciting to be in right now. But I think that a lot of people don't understand the actual amount of hard work it takes to, you know, be in this industry to sustain and to actually make it. I feel that the first thing I would advise is to get some sort of actual experience that could be in form of an internship, work at your you know, favorite restaurant, at your favorite bakery. Right now, there is just so many options and places for people to work at. So even if you, you want to do it on the weekends, you know, a lot of people open up their kitchens and let people come and work in on the weekends. So my first thing would be to really to get, a, to get a sense and feel of what it really takes to work in the industry. And once you know that this is what you want to do, then you ask yourself questions as, you know, which part of the, the industry do I want to work into? For me, it was very clear that I don't like the hot kitchen. I don't want to be there. And the pastry kitchen is my calling. And then I worked in chocolate for a while and I knew that I love chocolate, but, you know, I love pastry more. I wanted to do macaroons and I wanted to do cakes. And now I'm suddenly interested in bread and I want to get into bread and I want to learn how to do bread. So, you know, the only way you'll understand is if you actually jump in and try different things and know where your passion really lies. And I think that in today's day and age, if you want to set up your own business, it's important to carve out your niche for yourself, right? Like what makes you different from everybody else? Because from when I started a decade ago to today, the market now is flooded with different people doing different things, specializing in things. So what is it that you bring to the table? I think it's very important to identify those in the start before you get going. And yeah, and then, you know, the investment, even if you are like a home baker and you're starting, some, you're young and you're starting something from home, the investment is not as much, you know, you have, need to have a good oven and your ingredient costs, basically. So test it out, you know, test it out day after day. Does it still, you know, because making a cake once for passion is great, but doing it day after day, every single day, ensuring it's the same quality and consistency. That is where it doesn't become that, it's not that therapeutic thing that you do to escape from your day that then becomes your, your life of sorts. So you need to really know if that's something that you want to do. And so, yeah, like jump in, test it out. The only way you'll actually know if you want to do this is by doing it. And uh, yeah, keep a low risk to begin with. And if you really, after doing that, working in a restaurant or doing something from home, you think that you enjoy it, then keep learning and start. I think that people keep waiting for the right moment or things to fall into place. I think that the right moment is now and you should just do it if you really want to. Now, this is good advice for everyone. Not, yeah, it's good advice for everyone. <laughs> so what is the good advice that you got, Pooja, in when you were uh, starting out or even now? Which What's the one good advice that has stayed with you? Uh, I think a lot of it in the start was just through family and friends. And then the other things, I think, just by making a lot of mistakes is what I've learned. So I started something with really being passionate about it, but I didn't understand the financial aspects of it when I started. And that was something that I just kind of let somebody else take over. And I just wish if there was one thing that I could have done differently is is looked at the whole business and kind of gotten someone to, if I didn't, I was too afraid to ask questions. I was too afraid to be, to sound like, um, is, this, is this a very dumb question, but I don't, I don't understand it. So the one thing that, you know, I would probably change is like tell people that there's enough information out there available for you. 
just managed to get it. And now, you know, obviously things are different for me and I just, you know, irrespective, I'm just asking questions. So I think the one thing somebody told me, which always stayed with me is to ask the right questions. So that, that was good advice. Yeah, because sometimes questions are far more important than answers. You ask the question, you know, that is uh, far more critical. I agree completely. So we are in this digital age and, you know, everybody's on social media, more so with the pandemic. Kola and I are podcasting and we we are doing it digitally. We've not really met any of our guests. And, you know, you've leveraged social media very well. And it certainly is a growth medium and the world is global today. So for somebody like Soila and me, for example, or a lot of our listeners out there who've started new things, what advice would you give them as to how to leverage this medium? So I'll tell you some of the things that truly worked for me. I started being on Instagram about 10 years ago. And at that point in time, I just truly enjoyed the medium a lot. I didn't really think of it as a strategy or, you know, looking at metrics and things that people talk about today. For me back then, it was just more of a showcase of what I was doing. So it was more about giving people an insight into my life and the way I was thinking the product. So if I was, you know, in the kitchen, working on something, I would put up a picture with a little description of what I was doing. And it it wasn't very planned as such. It was more like, look into my day, this is today. And I think that kind of created a form of connection, which makes it feel more real and authentic. This was obviously many years ago. But if I look at it and I I think of why that worked, and I also have friends who find it very difficult to put uh, themselves out there and you know they they sit for hours thinking about you know a caption or they think about so I, I just feel that don't stress about small things you know the idea is to form a connection and be a storyteller how are you telling your story use it as a medium to tell your story what are you doing with the podcast what are you doing with the product that you're making why is it important to you where do the ingredients come from if a customer enjoyed it what is their feedback on it you know, you, then you build your social media plan according to that. But it's basically just storytelling. So I would say that look at it as if you use Instagram, if you use Twitter, Facebook, whatever format you're using, look at it as a, as a lens of storytelling and then build your strategy around that. So finding your niche first and then building your audience, that uh, sort of community that kind of trusts what you have to say or they trust why you're doing something, why you're doing the podcast. Why is it so important, I guess, to you to do this or put these stories out there? And then the, the way you do it is completely your style. And it's something that, you know, then nobody else can replicate that. It comes from you. And the connection that that has is completely different than just putting up a post saying something, you know. So, you know, you've reached where you have today. And obviously, it's a long way for you to go as well. So professionally and also personally, do you have a vision where you would want to reach? And what you're doing today is that, your first few tentative steps to trying to reach there or you really haven't thought of anything and you're just going along with what you enjoy? You know, when I started, I would jokingly just laugh and say world domination and, you know, that would be my sort of, I I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea, you know, when I was saying world domination, how I would take that forward. But I think the last couple of years coming, it's the vision is becoming slightly more clear. Things are shaping up the way I want them to understanding purpose more clearly and seeing where I want to see the next decade going. Also, it's so contradictory because if anything last year has taught me is that you can't really plan much because, you know, you plan for things and then something shows up and everything just changes. So how do you plan long term, but also stay ready to shift and and, and be agile? 
So I think I have an idea of what I want to do over the next decade. I'm hoping that just changing the way baking works in this country, you know, taking that forward, whether it is in terms of ingredients, equipment, ease of getting things, I'd like to go into that. A lot more into education and teaching and everything that I went through 10 years ago. I hope that people don't have to go through all of those. Okay. Yeah, I think the pandemic has taught us all that same lesson, Pooja, that nothing, nothing at all can be planned. But it's also, I think, given rise to a lot of new things that people are doing. So I think it's kind of a double-edged sword, so to speak. Anyway, Soila, over to you. So this pandemic has affected all our businesses. All of us are professionals. We have a day job. So we can see pandemic affecting our business really, really badly. So what steps have you taken to ease the situation of your business? So last year was quite challenging because we just finished 10 years of Law 15 and, you know, for so long, like I, my head was always down and I was working, working, working. And then finally it was in March last year was our 10th anniversary. And I was like, hey, we made it to 10 years. You can give yourself a pat on the back. And finally I was like at a stage where I was like, okay, you know, we've done this. And, and then every, you know, the pandemic hit and we've never stopped working for even a day. And then suddenly everything just paused. And it gave me in the, so in the initial few weeks, it, it really, it was a dark space to be in because now you have a team of a hundred people, you have five stores and cafes and livelihood of so many people depends on you, but money has just stopped coming in. What do you do? How do you kind of navigate the situation? So it, it it was a lot of like darkness going into what do I do? Do I have to sell everything? In the in that environment of last year, raising money was very difficult because there was so much uncertainty. So that wasn't an option. Restaurants so badly affected. So for me, it was about taking really hard decisions. But when I look back at it today, it was the best thing that I could have done is taking hard decisions, not waiting and seeing how things will pan out and wait for give it three months and things will get better because I would just be draining money. So I kind of pulled the plug on all our, on our entire savory arm of our business. So just overnight shut 50% of the business down, which was our cafe in Kolaba and our cafe in Gurigao, which was obviously as someone who's, it was a childhood dream to have that and that space was so close to my heart to kind of make those decisions was was challenging but it kind of just I did that and then I started trying to think of all the projects that we were working on in the past and really finding the opportunity within the crisis right and changing the way of approaching this and that led to our you know the launch of our, our website and moving towards our packaged food which is our hot chocolate mix and our cake mix and you know all the dip keys that we're doing so it was a big shift a big it was a, a thing that was in motion and we we're planning it for you know years before that but we just kind of pivoted and changed the minute the pandemic hit it's very critical isn't it to pivot when uh, the moment is right otherwise you can really you know stagnate more importantly really burn a lot money and resources so it's extremely important and what is now your vision for low 15 post the pandemic because obviously we all believe that the pandemic is going to go hopefully sooner than later so how will your yeah. vision for love 15 would have changed because of all of us have gone through so i think when i was in sort of lockdown last year it was a lot of time to just kind of think of what this means to me and what i was doing i think for 10 years there was just no stopping and just you know going on this i love baking and i love my passion and i had to actually stop and ask myself is it really anymore do you love baking as much as you did 10 years ago 
So I had to ask myself all these really hard questions and really go inward and, and find answers. And what I came up with it is that the vision and the reason why I do what I do, right, is it comes down to spreading joy. It comes down to, you know, when someone sees that box or they eat that cake. And the format of how that joy reaches you might have changed. So instead of you walking into a cafe and ordering a hot chocolate, now you're ordering a box and it reaches you at home. But the final, the end goal remains the same. So to me, it was like if the main overarching vision is still the same, the format of how it's reaching my customers, that I can play with and I can tweak it. And what is, you know, the environment that we have today? There's so many habit forming, changing things that have happened over the last year that would have taken decades of, you know, otherwise, like I would never shop online. And now I'm only shopping online. You know, so many people started baking last year, which nobody did. So how do we use all of those things to our advantage and kind of build on that? So whether it's a cake mix that we're making that helps you bake in your own homes or get you ingredients to bake those or get you dip keys that you dip in your chai and for that moment you feel joy. So I think that for me, for Low 15, that long as we can keep translating that emotion into whatever we do, the possibilities are endless. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you really, really turned the whole setup around during the pandemic. And I think uh, you were meant to be an entrepreneur, Pooja. <laughs> so forget my first question of why you didn't start doing a job. <laughs> That's great thinking. So anyway, you know, business and the 15 aside, we just have a, a few quick questions for you to get to know you more personally. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so of course, you already said a lot, but just a few more. So, you know, as far as food goes, what's the food that you crave the most? Comfort to me is dal khichdi. So that is, ah. you know, having a tough day with a lot of like garlic, like that's the garlic tarka. That's what I go for. Okay. So that's your comfort food as well. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so my, my dal khichdi is not so good yet, but I, I plan to perfect it. Oh gosh, dal khichdi. <laughs> <laughs> so hand on your heart, Pooja, what are the personal quirks your team teases you about? My team teases me about? Your personal quirks. There are that many or there are none? I think, I think that, no, that, I think <laughs> that, that, so the thing that they, taking them like the ones who've been working with me for a long time they know it but my phone just like starts recording things you know without giving them any notice so that's you know they're, they're kind of like i'll just be like okay what are you doing today and they're like we're not ready to be in front of the camera right now <laughs> and i've always been like oh you know like just very instinctive so i think for them when they see me with my camera that's something that they're just like can you put it away yeah yeah are you spending the pandemic thinking of some new flavors for the macaroon world yeah, in fact, we just did our 11th anniversary and we introduced 11 new flavors for 11 days. And that was uh, a lot of fun. And wow. again, like, when, you know, so we had like bubble gum and coffee and hazelnut, like just like cheese and mango cheesecake, just like things that I've been thinking about for, you know, over the last year and we just put them together. Okay. Okay. So do you think uh, I can be a pastry chef? I mean, I don't have natural talent, I know for sure. But do you think I can learn? I think everybody can, yes. I'm going to be like that Remy from, you know, Ratatouille, being like everybody can cook. I think everybody can bake, yes. So some kitchen tips, please, Pooja, especially for sweet things. So uh, most important, and I get this, I get asked this a lot, right? Like whenever I give my measurements, I always give them in grams. And people are like, can you give me in cup? And can you give me this and how many? And I'm like, no. So my first thing would be if you're baking at home, please get a weighing scale. Like that's the most important thing. 
we cannot eyeball it and just say this approximately looks like 100 grams. No, you have to measure it and say 100 grams. So that would be my first thing is to just really get a, a good uh, weighing scale and to get a good oven that, you know, like your oven is your best friend when you're in the, when you're baking. So if you have a really good oven and you understand your oven and how it works, changes everything. Right. I've heard about this relationship between the pastry chef and, you know, his or her oven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really, really wonderful talking to you. And I uh, wish you all the best for everything new that you try and hopefully lots and lots more flavors. Am I right, Soela? <laughs> I mean, I'm hungry actually now. And I'm going to get into the kitchen, fall in love with my oven and bake. <laughs> yeah. Please let me know how things turn out, Soela. I'll be very curious. I'm going to lie to my team because Pooja said anyone can do <laughs> Measure them. Measure, measure. You were, you were seeming very doubtful earlier. You were like, oh. I'm so bad at this whole math and measurement. No, no, I do my I do my measurements very well. Yeah, yeah. My mom's taught me that measurement rule. Though, of course, she's still somebody who says, "Andaze se dalo." You know, the all Indian moms do that. But yeah, when she writes recipes down for me, she does give me the grammage. <laughs> so I treasure those books that I have. Anyway, thank you so much, Pooja. Thank you for being with us here on this podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was great to be on your podcast. We hope this podcast encourages you to follow your dreams. We will be back soon with more chance takers. Till then, have a good time and like and share this podcast.